0: Mum says I got my sporting abilities from Dad. He was one of the best rugby league players in Queensland, a real natural athlete. He played the game with such style and flair that his teammates called him twinkle toes. I adored my dad. I remember one time when I was about two years old and he showed me a trick with a fern leaf. Hey Catherine, have a look at this, he said as I watched. Dad reached out and touched the tip of the fern leaf with his finger. It curled up instantly and then slowly reopened. I thought it was like magic. Every Sunday, my brothers and I would go down to the Oval to watch Dad play rugby. Those hot afternoons were full of colour and activity. Dad's team was the magpies. So Norm and Garth were dressed from head to toe in black and white. The men who played rugby took the game very seriously. As I was a girl, going anywhere near the men's dressing rooms was strictly out of bounds, but sometimes curiosity got the better of me. When I saw my chance, I'd poke my head around the corner of the door to get a glimpse of life in the men's locker room. I remember the sound of footy boots clanging on the cement floor and the smell of deep heat body rub the players used. I felt a bit like a journalist or a detective whenever I got that close to the action. Sport wasn't the only thing Dad and I had in common. We also loved to laugh. My dad was one of the funniest people around. I remember talking to him on the phone one time and having sore tummy muscles for days afterwards because I'd been laughing so hard. We were talking about the weather. It's raining cats and dogs, Catherine, Dad said. Really? I can see them falling from the sky. Cats and dogs. That was my dad, always being silly. He had such a way about him. He could have convinced the whole world it really was raining cats and dogs. When I was only five years old, dad went away. At first, mum didn't tell us why he'd left or even where he'd gone. She believed you should accept things in life without questioning or judging. Besides, She was too busy taking care of us kids to sit around and get upset. Catherine, she'd tell me, you've just got to get on with things and that's that. Mum arranged for us to go and see Dad every Christmas. He was a stockman, and he'd gone to live in a cattle station at Warrabinda in central Queensland. The first year we visited, Dad taught us how to ride the horses on the property. I was only six but dad lifted me onto a horse and showed me how to hold the reins. A few years later, I found out that my parents had got a divorce. It was a shock, but at the time I didn't get too upset. I'm like mum that way. I just try to make the best of things. Mum's had a lot to deal with in her life, including not having our older sister, Anne-Marie, live at home with us. Just before I was born, Mum was told she had to put my sister into care. Mum was heartbroken, but she knew that's where Anne-Marie would get the best treatment. Anne-Marie was born with something called cerebral palsy, which affects the way your brain works. There are different types of cerebral palsy, but Anne-Marie's condition was pretty severe. She didn't have much muscle control, so she couldn't run or jump or do any of the things I love doing. Often when I was out chasing around after my brothers, I'd think about how lucky I was. We only got to visit Anne-Marie about three or four times a year. We'd hop on the train and travel for more than three hours to get to the hospital in North Rockhampton. When we first got to Anne-Marie's room, my brothers and I would hang back. Anne-Marie couldn't sit up by herself, so she had to be strapped into her wheelchair with thick leather belts. Her wrists were all bony like a bird and her feet looked contorted and twisted out of shape. But my sister had so much spirit and personality that after a while I'd forget about her disabilities. Whenever she saw mum, her whole face would light up in excitement. Anne-Marie couldn't talk, but she knew how to express herself. One day my auntie Lizzie was encouraging Anne-Marie to show her some affection. Come on, she said. Show me some love. Straight away, Marie started throwing her arms around wildly. She was trying to give Auntie Lizzie a hug. With dad gone, mum found a job as a cleaner at the local high school so she could support us. Being a cleaner was the only thing mum had ever been trained to do, but I never heard her complain about it. She'd had to leave school when she was 15 because the laws in Australia at the time wouldn't allow her to continue. No one thought it was important for Aboriginal people to finish school or get a higher education in those days. Even so, my mum is one of the wisest and smartest people I know. Every morning, she'd get up at 6.30am to make our lunches and then go and clean at North MacKay High School for a few hours and be back in time to wake us up and get us off to school as well. At the end of the day, my brothers and I would trudge back up to the high school with her. North McKay was very hilly. I reckon we walked some of the longest and steepest streets of McKay on those afternoons. Looking back, I kind of enjoyed hanging out with mum, helping her clean. I liked the idea that we were making the world, or at least the school, a better place. There's something really satisfying about scrubbing a mark off a wall or vacuuming tiny bits of paper off the carpet. Mum took such pride in her work. She was a real perfectionist. Everything had to be done, just so. If I got a bit lazy, she'd soon let me know. Katharina, she'd say, you missed a spot. Together we'd roll up our sleeves and pull back our hair and get down to the business of cleaning but we could never rely on the boys for help. So mum would send them outside to play. Go on, she'd say, you boys get out in the fresh air. Without a word, my brothers would race off to the nearest playground. About halfway through mum's shift, I'd head out to check up on them. I loved my brothers, but they were always getting into trouble. Norman was really accident-prone. When we were little and had baths together, he'd always try to climb out of the tub. Once he even fell and cracked his head open on the hard bathroom tiles. Garth was a cutie. I called him my baby, but he was completely hyperactive. When Auntie Lizzie babysat for us, she asked us to tie a stocking around his leg and attach the other side to hers in order to stop him getting away. Now that she was raising us on her own, Mum worked extra hard to make our lives as stable and normal as possible. Gav was the oldest, so he took over Dad's role as the man of the house. He was really protective of his younger sister and brothers, but especially of Mum. It was just the five of us and we thought that's how it would stay. Then one day, when I was about six years old, a man called Bruce Barber came into our lives. He'd met my mum at a Baha'i prayer meeting and started visiting our house on weekends. One morning, I was standing in the yard when I saw his blue Holden pull up in our drive. Mum, I yelled, running inside. That white man is here. My brothers and I didn't like Bruce much. If I came home from school and saw him in the lounge room, the first words out of my mouth were always, what's he doing here? We didn't know what to make of this stranger. He looked a bit like the bush tucker man with his blonde hair and scruffy beard. He was never loud or rude to us, but we hated the idea of someone replacing our dad. One afternoon, we were driving in Bruce's car when I saw mum slide along to sit closer to him in the front seat. I got so angry. Who did this guy think he was? It seemed wrong that mum was sitting close to another man. To make her move away, I started poking her under the seat with my foot. Who's kicking, she said, turning around to look at us. Who's doing that? My brothers and I just giggled and said nothing. We all felt the same way.